So hello and welcome to ESPN Cricket for Stump Mike. I'm Kartikar speaking to you after the second day's play of the first test between India and England at Chepauk. For the first time in this series on this podcast, Devan said. Yeah, hi Kartik. Uh, quite uh, excited to talk about this uh, particular series. Although I have not been able to unfortunately watch too much of it because I have been busy with the Bangladesh West Indies commentary on the side. But yeah, much like I did during the Melbourne Test match, I have been keeping All India Radio on on one side and just listening to the radio commentary. And it sounds like England have worked themselves into a pretty good position. And I, I think they are uh, now in a position from where they cannot lose and possibly can even push on for a victory. And someone who's been on Live Report for the first two days and will continue to be so for a lot of this series is Matt Roller. Matt is, of course, we had to literally drag him on this podcast <laughs> today because, as you well know, we're currently recording during the Big Bash League finals. And Matt's eyes are only on the finals at this moment. So, Devan, your task and mine is to make sure that today is interesting enough so that Matt doesn't pay too much attention to Sixers versus Cotchers. <laughs> Yeah, there were a few points um, when England were, were grinding it out when I was considering switching over at various points today. But uh, yeah, I thought um, thought I'd stick with, with what I knew best. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's, let's start with the grind, Matt. And we, we waited a while yesterday before we spoke about Joe Root. Uh, and I think we should just start with him today because this is yet another double century. His second already in 2021, which is just as amazing as it sounds. We gave him credit yesterday. Is there anything more that you want to add? I remember you mentioned that 2021 could be a decisive year for Joe Root. Well, he's already, I think, one third of the way to the highest test runs in a calendar year. He's going to break almost every record in test cricket if he goes at this rate. Yeah, it's it's been exceptional. And as I said yesterday, he sort of, you know, had to fight relatively hard at points in this innings. And... It wasn't always easy today. I think there were a few points definitely in the in the morning session where the pitch was doing a little bit. Um, it, you know, you saw sort of puffs of dust come up, and um, Nadim in particular was finding a lot of bounce outside out out of the uh, the footholes. Um, and you know, ha- having uh, you know slept on a, a pretty decent score last night, he actually sort of ground through the gears this morning and played second fiddle to Stokes um, for pretty much the whole of the first session. Um, but then there were a few just sort of effortless shots in the afternoon. Um, in particular, there was one that stood out, which was a sort of, um, I suppose, a reverse paddle dink um, down to third man, uh, where he, he, as I say, just makes makes everything look so easy on a pitch that wasn't always. Um, but in particular, sort of skipping down the pitch on 195 to, to bring up a double is a pretty special moment in your 100th test. Um, and yeah, as you said, he's just—it's been a, a phenomenal start to the year. I think he's—he's he's already scored more than double anyone else um, in terms of Test runs this calendar year, um, which is pretty extraordinary in itself, um, albeit at, at an early stage. Um, and in terms of sort of setting the tone for the series, uh, it's been absolutely crucial. Obviously, you know, I, I kept coming back to the the 2016 tour yesterday and and sort of saying. Um, England fans should be careful about getting too excited and people will remember back then that the first test in Rajkot was drawn um, and then England went on to lose 4-0. Um, but I don't know, I feel like that there is something slightly different this time. It feels like Root has really put a marker down um, for, for the year as well as for the series. Um, and he, he, you know, at very few points did he look like getting out. It was almost an anti-climax when he did, um, just sort of LBW to one that skidded on, but because he played so few full shots um 
across what 370 something balls um so yeah I, it was a remarkable innings and i think he's sort of starting to um to really look like he's in in the form of his career Divine, you didn't watch the whole day's play, but surely you saw that six of Ashwin where Joe Root reached his double century. Uh, I did hear it, yes. And uh, <laughs> there was a bit of a stunned silence from some of my compatriots over at All India Radio. And it's it's a pretty uh, funny irony because uh, uh, Joe Root's debut test match was also my debut test match as an All India Radio commentator from the field. I'd, I'd done a few matches off tube before, but uh, that was the first test, the last test match of the year. Uh, 2012 series where they played in Nagpur and I remember ahead of the uh, particular match we were waiting at the Nagpur airport you know waiting for our luggage and everything and uh, another colleague of mine who, who actually works a lot with uh, BBC test match special uh, Prakash Vakankar he uh, was having a chat with Jeffrey Boycott who, who I had worked with in the past with uh, ESPN star as well so um, he was pointing out I mean Root was scheduled to make a debut in that test match and he was pointing out that this young boy from Yorkshire he's going to be the top run scorer for England in test cricket and uh, those of us who have chatted with Boycott in the past we know that I mean he does have a strong affinity for people from Yorkshire but he doesn't give out uh, sort of like you know tags and uh, labels quite lightly so and he's he's a guy who you know at the end of the day does know his batting and and he was very uh, effusive in the way that he uh, talked about his temperament because he would have been what about 22 i guess about 22 or 21 then yeah he's 30 now this was 2012 so yeah 2000 yeah 20 21 then yeah and and right right from the very first sighting of him he looked like somebody who knew exactly what he was supposed to be doing at test level i don't think much has changed i think he's got a little more facial hair that's about the only change on the surface of it but he's just become such a uh, complete batsman i think often he doesn't get his due because he's probably not as flashy as some of the others in the so called fab 4 you know i i don't like those, those labels in any case but uh, it just seems to be a matter of perspective that you know wherever whichever part of the a uh, globe you're watching cricket for from you you know put uh, random people into that club and you welcome new pe- members into that club as well but i think he's a he's a, a phenomenal batsman he he does well across all formats and the thing is that he's one of those who gets to a score even before the opposition notices and that's that's typically the kind which is really dangerous for the opposition and i remember recently when when he was just beginning to start out in his first innings in that series in sri lanka i just tweeted that Uh, i think he's about to serve a big reminder of why he is you know a rightful member of the so called fab four and then i got a lot of a lot of replies from a lot of fans and many people saying that no you know he's not been scoring centuries that's why he's just dropped off uh, that uh, list a little bit and clearly he's just making up for lost time and <laughs> there was a genuine chance that he could have gone on to a triple hundred today but yeah fantastic batting and he set this game up quite beautifully for his team yeah jorut is making up for lost time and for lost centuries as well uh, matt it's interesting that you mentioned it but deban uh, about jorut and not probably not getting the credit that that he deserves it reminds me of the 2019 world cup matt i'm sure you remember this uh, but if i had asked you and i think now you know the answer but if i had asked you who was who was england's top scorer at that world cup would you have guessed joe root yeah it's a strange one i mean i think um in all fairness root did have a, a patch that he would consider himself and it has admitted quite publicly himself where he wasn't contributing as much as he would have liked um because he did have this i suppose frustrating tendency to get score, sort of middling scores between 30 and 70 rather than big contributions i think he he went something like seven series in a row um 
from sort of late 2017 to, to 2019 where he didn't average 40 in a single one and it was sort of always averaging high 30s and I think from a senior batsman there were re- you know people were frustrated with that I think people people rightly demanded more of him and I think he demanded more of himself and 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 there's that parallel right like you mentioned 2017 that's when he took over the captaincy he scored in that first test versus South Africa it was 190 but then but then he just he fell off in terms of his batting prowess yeah and I I think he you know he was probably a victim of the fact that England did hugely focus on white ball cricket um in the Trevor Bayliss era um and obviously you know I, I'm sure he would have taken the the World Cup winners medal every day if 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 that was the choice that he had to make. But, um, you know, they're now in a point with a new coach in Chris Silverwood. He's been there um, just over a year now, sort of 14, 15 months, um, who's all about control the rate, control the game with the ball. And then this whole, you know, bat once, bat big, bat long idea with the bat. So it's very old school. It's it's very simple stuff. Um, you know, the whole game plan is basically built around two, two test cricketing cliches. Um, but, you know, they... they if if it was such a bad thing to do things by the book, there wouldn't be a book. So, um, yeah, it, it's just old school test cricket and, and Root seems to be absolutely thriving um, in this role at number four and especially in Asia um, because he's such a good player of spin. I think it's now sort of widely accepted that he's one of, if not England's best ever player of spin because people mention, I don't know, Graham Thorpe um, is one that often comes up. But, he wasn't the sort of guy that would, um, you know, be sweeping and reverse sweeping bowlers of Ashwin's calibre um, quite as freely as Root has over the past two days. Deban, you mentioned that uh, in a passing statement, you said that Joe Root may end up being or will end up being England's top run scorer. Okay, that, that's a long way away because Root, Cook, Alistair Cook, who's currently right there, has 12,472 runs. And we were discussing this yesterday. We thought Cook would probably compete with Sachin for, for his records. But towards the end of his career, and it happens to a lot to a lot of people from England, they do tend to retire earlier than maybe players from the subcontinent. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I guess it's a slightly... Okay, I just, I just want to say that I'm not trying to start root retirement talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be absolutely fair, I mean, he's still just 30. So, he's at least got four or five years ahead of him, I would imagine. And with the current level of consistency, it shouldn't take him too long to sort of catch up with that number. But I think I don't think it's so much about the numerals alone, which will uh, define his uh, legacy as a England batsman and captain. I think what also he goes on to achieve with this team, because uh, just looking at their 11 in this match alone, uh, maybe barring a couple of slightly weaker links, it looks like a really class lineup. And... Uh, which is why I said right at the top of this podcast that I fancy their chances actually of coming away with a victory here in uh, Chennai. And even if they don't, even if uh, this ends up in a draw, it will put an immense amount of pressure on the Indians because uh, this is an Indian team which has a few uh, key personnel missing. Uh, they've gone in with a 11 which has been debated long and hard, especially in the bowling department about a couple of uh, you know players who could have been there. And with the fact that they are not slotting in and if they are not able to get a favourable result in their uh, uh, in their particular corner, then it, it it is going to put a lot of pressure going into the second match, which is also in Chennai. So then then that uh, just spices things up a little further. So we were talking before we clicked the record button, and Devan, you were asking Matt why he after listening to yesterday's podcast, of course, why he wasn't more bullish about England's chances. Matt, this is your turn to respond. Well, I think the, the this Chennai test that I keep coming back to in in 2016 is a big 
uh, has sort of almost been hanging over England throughout this this uh, this innings because they've been co- conscious of the fact that 460, 470, 480 might not be enough, um, especially against a very strong Indian batting lineup where everyone in the top seven averages 40 um, and, and several of them average 50. So I, I think... Um, I think they will, they will be much more optimistic after today. And I think I would say that they have a much better chance after today, having sort of um, turned a, a, a good position into a very good one. Um, because I think it's, it's quite difficult for England to lose this test match from here. Um, equally, I would say that the pitch showed enough signs of wear for England to be encouraged. Um, which I think is is possibly one of the key things because you probably didn't necessarily see it just from from the scorecard alone, but because England obviously only lost lost one wicket in the first two sessions, but throughout that there were a lot of half chances um, to the extent that in, India probably felt as though luck was by no means on their side, where they sort of kept on creating these these half sniffs where you know in isolation they might not have been uh, huge percentage chances. Uh, to take a wicket, but across the addition of five or six of them, uh, you'd feel as though one might go your way. Um, and, and, you know, Nadim was finding a huge amount of the sort of trampoline springy bounce outside um, Stokes's off stump in particular um, from the footholds. There are a couple that really ragged to root as well. Um, and equally, we saw um, Ishan when he took two and two balls to to remove Butler and uh, Archer with uh, two two incredible balls, by the way, that um, pegged back off stump both times. Um, extract a lot of reverse. Um, so I think all three of those things will be will be um, positives as far as England are concerned. I mean, they lost that wicket of Sibley last night, and I think at two sixty three for for three, there's still a good chance that you know you fall short of 450 but having really driven home that advantage today and having put together these sort of small stands that don't necessarily look like a lot um on their own but really do add up to something like you think Butler and uh Bess added I think 47 Bess and Leach have added 30 unbroken um going into tomorrow morning so sort of small stands um trying to make sure you avoid losing you know they've lost a couple of quick wickets at a couple, on a couple of occasions, but at no point have they really lost three or four, which is something that you'd associate with some England teams over the last five years. Um, but yeah, I think all told, England England will be delighted with the position they're in. I don't think there's a there's a chance they'll declare overnight. I think they'll try and press on as long as they can with the tail tomorrow morning, and then uh, yeah, just have have to hope that the the spinners in particular um, perform. So you mentioned Matt, Nadim and the footmark. So that brings me to my question on Ben Stokes's innings. Was, was that one of the reasons why he played the way that he did? Because it was an extremely chancy innings. I think there were a couple of drops, tough chances, but drops nonetheless. And maybe a run out chance when Joe Root was not in his crease. And yeah, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't Stokes, but it was Stokes. Yeah, it, it, again, it's one of those where... You know, the scorecard saying that he got 82 off 118 sounds like a brilliant attacking innings. I think it was it, it was a little more skittish than that would suggest. Um, but I think you have to remember that very early on in a the day, there was that brilliant um, Yorker from Bumbra that, you know, almost deserved to get him out where he, he, he was bowling round the wicket to the left hander sort of tailed in very late. And Stokes just sort of jammed the bat down in it. And I think a combination of sort of uh, inside edge slash toe 
um, onto the boot or the pad, then sort of managed to just about escape it, hitting the base of leg stump. But it was an incredible ball. And I think um, from that point on, and also having had Ashwin beat the bat a couple of times, he probably started to, to play as though there was a ball coming soon that had his name on it. Um, and yeah, he did, he did score a lot of runs and boundaries as well. I think he, he hit, um, 10 fours and three sixes in an innings of 82, which is yeah, that's right. quite, quite unusually, um, high, I would say, um, to score what's that 58 runs and boundaries in an innings. And, and at a strike rate at of almost 70. Yeah. So, and he was very much the, the dominant partner in that partnership with, uh, with Root as well. So yeah, it was, it was a slightly odd innings. Um, and I think he has had his problems against Ashwin in the past. Ashwin's the bowler that's dismissed him more than any other in his test career. Um, and as I say, that there, there were some balls from Nadim that were, you know, pretty full that would end up hitting him in sort of the midriff. Um, so yeah, it, it was a slightly strange innings. Um, but equally, I think he he will feel vindicated in that approach, um, having come off and taken the team to, towards sort of four fifty five hundred. Yeah, he will. Uh, Shabazz Nadim, of course, he's he played this match. He was included in the squad debut on the morning of the test yesterday, and he got into the eleven. This is just his second test match. Now he has copped some criticism, probably justifiably, over the past two days. But but if there's one thing that he can go back with is the fact that he will always have the wickets of Joe Root and Ben Stokes. Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, in, in a way, just reward for persistence and perseverance. But I think that's where you have to credit the English batsmen because what they've done right through this test match, just looking at the bowling figures alone is they have taken the attack to the Indian spinners. Uh, that's, that's a common mistake which a lot of overseas teams make when they come and play in India. They uh, respect the spinners so much, they respect the conditions so much that they're often... Uh, allow these spinners to sort of dictate terms. But over here, almost everybody who's bold spin has gone at a fair you know, uh, clip in terms of runs per over. And that has just enabled them to keep the scoreboard ticking. And uh, just knowing the fact that this Indian uh, attack in this match is a little un- undercooked, one, one could say, because uh, Ishan Sharma is coming back from a long layoff. Uh, both Jaspreet Bumrah and uh, R. Ashwin have had those injuries on the tour of Australia, which kept them. There, the there's no Jadeja as well. Absolutely. There's no Jadeja. So there are weak links in this bowling attack, which they have exploited perfectly. And of course, I mean, which which you guys did debate on the podcast yesterday, the fact that Washington Sundar was probably included as a last minute uh, sort of inclusion because of the injury to Aksar Patel, which completely... But, but he was unlucky not to get a wicket on his home home turf, I felt. There was that drop catch. Yeah. There was that appeal, that loud appeal when India didn't have a review left. So I felt I felt a little bad for him towards the end of the day and all he could do was smile. Yeah, and I noticed on social media, there were a few people suggesting that that was a tactical drop by Rohit Sharma because he didn't want to <laughs> come out and open under the conditions. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the case. But... Uh, I think all said and done, it was a hard grind for the spinners. And this is where, again, I mean, just to back up what Matt said, uh, this is where I think the balance for the English attack is a little bit better. Uh, they have a couple of spinners. They also have Joe Root to fall upon himself if, if required. But they have three seamers and three different kinds of seamers uh, to fall back on. Uh, the fact that uh, James Anderson will be sort of swinging whatever little swing is available with the early uh, new ball. And of course, they have the extra pace of Jofra Archer. So that is a huge factor. I'm, I think that's what I'm looking forward to most on day three. Jofra Archer on this pitch, uh, especially with some patches of variable bounce, which we've seen on day two, if those start opening up, then I think the Indian batting is in for a pretty hard ride because 
uh, all said and done, India are also fielding one uh, specialist batsman short than they often do at home. So, I think this is where this whole idea of five bowlers, all-rounder, all of this is just, I mean, too much of theory to go into. I think if you ask me, India would have been better off probably backing themselves and going in with four specialist bowlers. Or if they had played five, then to go a little bit more attacking and at least uh, including one or maybe both of Mohamed Siraj and Kuldeep Yadav. But that is anyway beyond us now. So, I mean, there's no point uh, mulling too much over it. I think now it's over to the Indian batsmen that they've got to make the most of whatever chances they get. Uh, it, it is still a fairly decent batting track. So, they've got to make sure that they convert any starts that they get into big scores. So, Devayan has already, Matt, started our discussion on looking forward to tomorrow and possibly the next three days of, of this Test match. From your end, if a result needs to happen, England are currently at 555 for the loss of eight wickets. We're, we're, we're confident that you're confident that they're going to come out and bat tomorrow. What do you see happening during the course of the day? It's a good question. I think um, that there are definitely question marks about this attack um, is the first thing I'd say, just in terms of, um, first of all, the fitness of Archer and Stokes, who are both playing their first tests um, since August, um, which is a long time out of the game. They've both obviously played some IPL since then and um, will have will have prepared as best they can for this series. But it, it's very different with a short lead in time. Um, and, you know, it will be a big strain bowling and it, on a flat deck against a very good batting lineup. Um, and then obviously the spinners are the other the key point um, because Bess's numbers were better than Leach's in uh, in Sri Lanka, but I think Leach definitely looked like the, the more threatening and consistent of the two. Um, and Bess was the one who was probably under more pressure for his place coming into this series. Um, yeah, in, in in trademark Miller fashion, Andrew Miller called it a filthy five four that he got in goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, the the first one was was pretty ugly. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one. I think um, interesting to hear uh, Dubai's thoughts on Nadim. I thought one of the the issues that he had was that potentially he bowled too slowly um, because you could sort of contrast that with. Um, Jadeja, who's the obvious sort of left arm spinner, who's had a lot of success in India, who, who sort of bowls pretty quickly, I'd say his average speed is, you know, five or 10 kilometers an hour quicker. Um, and maybe Nadim just didn't, didn't have the pace to to trouble England. That sounds like a, a thing you would usually talk about a fast bowler, but I think almost they had time to, to make that call to get onto the front foot or the back foot and commit to the shot um, in a way that maybe is a little uh, trickier off Jadeja so really interested to see how Leach bowls and whether he sort of does the same thing and maybe gives the ball a little bit too much air or really uh, you know bowls with a bit of um, a pace and conviction in his action um, and best that the big question is just consistency um, and the extent to which uh, Root backs him because he often starts with uh, either a deep point or a deep cover sort of set the field so that he only concedes a single off the, the bad ball that inevitably comes um, but who knows, maybe it would be more helpful for his confidence and his mindset if he didn't have that man there and had to um, focus more on sort of ensuring that every single ball was landing on the spot rather than just sort of four or five out of six. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point, you know, because if you go back to the second test, I think it was in, in Sri Lanka in the series that just happened, I think both Leach and Bess went the entire first innings without picking a wicket, which is which is not something you see in the subcontinent. Yeah, it, it's very unusual. Um, it, they both recovered all right, but I think throughout that series, they were both admitting that having had a little bit of a break since they'd last played, they were sort of still very much finding rhythm and form. And it, 
I think this is this is one of the most unforgiving scenarios for for an English spinner to be playing in um, Chennai, knowing that you need wickets to win a game and against a, a batting lineup that that looks as um, as scary on paper as India's. Um, so, so in terms of what England need tomorrow, I mean, it, it just seen some some quotes from uh, Stokes in the press conference saying that they're definitely not thinking about declaring overnight, um, which I think we can probably take at face value. Um, and I don't think it matters too much how long they stick out there in the morning, but I think they'd ideally like to have India. They, they'd like to be into the the lower middle order by tomorrow night. So I think if they if India are say two hundred for two or two hundred for three overnight, I think they'll be relatively pessimistic about their chances of winning. If India are five wickets down and we're into you know Washington Sundar and Ashwin coming in, then I think England will be considerably more confident about their chances, especially as the pitch um, wears on. Hmm, absolutely. We'll just have to wait and see till tomorrow. Deban, final word with you. You're confident that England are the side that are pushing pushing towards victory. Do you see in any way India can attempt to try and take a lead in, in, in this series? They'll need an absolutely massive score in the first innings. Yeah, and it's not entirely impossible. Of course, uh, Matt has been invoking the 2016 match in uh, Chennai quite a few times. And I noticed, I think on social media, one of our UK colleagues, possibly George, also mentioning the Adelaide Test match of 2006-07, the Ashes, where England scored 500-plus and still went on to lose. So, I mean, there are historical uh, precedents where uh, teams have come back from conceding a massive first innings total. But for India to uh, entertain any chances of a victory, they've got to bat a minimum, I would reckon, of five sessions. And then they've got to hope for a huge English collapse. So, I mean, both are not uh, completely out of the picture. But they'll have to get a good solid start. And that's why uh, the one player I'll be really looking forward to watching would be Shukman Gill. Because he looked so much at ease in Australia, back in home conditions against a fairly decent attack. Uh, with a really red-hot, fast bowler in their lineup, how does he cope with them? How does he uh, construct his innings? I, I, I think we can expect to see a good special innings from him tomorrow because it should be a good uh, examination. Irrespective of when India comes in, I would expect them to probably uh, need to bat, say, half an hour or uh, 45 minutes into the piece once England have probably been bowled out for about 580 or something. Uh, and after that, India have got to try and bat for five sessions minimum. Uh, and England's thing, as as Matt mentioned, uh, a few question marks over some of their bowlers and their match fitness. But uh, Joe Root will have to be pretty proactive and quite smart with his captaincy. He's got to use his spinners intelligently. He's got to use his seamers in short bursts to make sure that they stay fresh uh, in these hot and humid conditions. And I think the principal factor again will be Archer. If Archer can rip out a couple of wickets early, then India will be under a severe amount of pressure. Virat Kohli is also playing his first test match after a long time. So... When he comes in, if he comes into a situation which is tailor-made for him, then you can expect another big score from him. Otherwise, it could you know, be a challenge if, if he walks in at, say, 32 for 2 or something. Then, then we know that England are right in this game and you know, looking to probably push on for a massive first innings lead. So, uh, interesting day three ahead. Absolutely. Day three onwards, the focus will be on Joe Root, the captain. But days one and two belonged to Joe Root, the batsman, his fifth double century in Test cricket. Matt, he's also got three 180s and one 190 score. So those conversion issues were not wrong. People were not wrong, whatever his score has been. But yeah, it, it's been two days that have belonged to Joe Root. His 218 has taken England to a position by which they most likely cannot, cannot lose this Test match. Matt, Devine, it's been a pleasure. We'll talk to you very, very soon.